This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. We were told that Shakyamuni, Buddha, after years of ascetic practice, finally sat down under a tree, having sat all night, looked up to see a the morning star and said, Oh, that's me. And the way I like to understand that moment of realization is that in seeing the star, he saw something perfect twinkling away up there without any effort or practice already simply being itself impossible to be anything other than itself It did not have to become anything. And Shakyamuni said, we are told that in that moment, not only he, but all beings, everything, achieved that same realization. And we could say that is that everything, just as it is, partakes in that same perfection of being itself, being just what it is. And that there's not a thing lacking in anything just as it is. And Dogen's comment on the precepts He refers back to that moment of Shakyamuni's realization and says, that's where the precepts arose, in that same moment. They emerged fully in Shakyamuni's instant of realization. Now we don't get that story in any of the old Histories. Dogen is taking mystical license, a kind of deep mystical empathy with that moment of realization, to say that the precepts are something inseparable from realization itself. And just like 
he would maintain that Zazen is not a means to an end, an end of enlightenment. We don't do this as a technique to transform ourselves or become something else. But that in doing it, in doing Zazen, we automatically, unavoidably, manifest our nature. So Dogen says again that the precepts are not a um, guide to an ethical life. They're not rules that if you follow them well, carefully, meticulously, you will become a certain kind of person. It's more that they're inseparable from being that person in the first place, having this realization in the first place. That fundamentally, there is nothing to gain and nothing to lose. I read a comment uh, by one of Dogen's translators, uh, Shohaku Okamura, about this. And he says that Dogen's strictly distinguished between the precepts as this kind of revelation and all the rest of uh, the Vinaya. So the Vinaya uh, arose completely differently. The Buddha never in his lifetime made rules for the community. Uh, However, uh, when a monk did something wrong, Buddha would just say, don't do that again. Now, after the Buddha's death, there was, you know, supposedly this great conference where they were going to put together and codify all his teachings. And Ananda uh, famously is supposed to have had total recall for all of the Buddha's discourses on the Dharma. But there was another guy (laughs) whose name I'm afraid I forget. And he had total recall for every time the Buddha said to somebody, that's a mistake. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have that guy in the saga? You know? <laughs> and that at this conference, he came up and he said, these are the 500 things the Buddha said don't do to somebody. <laughs> and, that, and they wrote those all down and that became the uh, Vinaya. A, um, so Dogen wanted uh, the precepts to have a different origin story than that <laughs> uh, and to have a different feel for us uh, not this list of do's and don'ts but rather an expression of a deep truth and it's um, That, that basic sense that there is nothing to gain and nothing to lose, no one to kill, nothing to steal, no one to slander, right? And in one sense we can say, if you're a fully realized uh, Buddha, 
of course there's nothing for you to gain or to lose and the thoughts of killing or stealing or slandering or misusing sex or any of, or drugs or any of these things wouldn't even arise in you because you are full and complete as you are but there's an you know that even further it would go and say that uh, if a deluded person uh, gets you know, a grudge going against me and comes in here and shoots me dead. Still, no one was killed and no one killed anybody. Self is fundamentally non-existent. So whether we realize it or not, there is no killing. Whether we realize it or not, there is no stealing. That is also the sense of all beings, just as they are, whether they realize it or not, are Buddhas. Which is to say that they partake in this fundamental impermanence, emptiness, and interconnection of the world. Emptiness doesn't depend on your realizing it or not. No self is not a um, state of consciousness you attain, it's your condition already. And although we talk about experiences where we suddenly get a feel for that, big moment on the cushion where we we suddenly feels that way, right? We're not talking about having just changes in our states of consciousness. We're talking about seeing something about how the world already is, whether we've seen it or not. The four vows also are uh, koans, uh, which uh, point the same thing. Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them all. Is that an endless task? Or is it already accomplished? Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to put an end to them. Do delusions have any reality? Do they have any substance? Or are like all other dharmas? Are they simply empty of any essential nature? One more thing that comes and goes. What does it mean to be rid of them? They're going anyway. And what does it mean to master all dharmas? Other than to simply... Let them be what they are, empty, transient. Is there anything for us to do about that? In the Buddha way, emptiness, interconnection, do we have any choice but to embody that? What else can we be? 
So these are all ways that you look at precepts or vows from the standpoint of them being inviolable, right? of express, expressing true nature from the perspective of the absolute, regardless of our level of uh, realization or not. Now, as a matter of practice, Joko always would ask us to look at the way we reject each moment as, as it is. Right? That we, even though at some level we know that perspective of there's just this. we tend to be a little pickier than that about the moment we want to be one with. And we, over and over again, pass some judgment on the moment. And that judgment can be expressed with fear, or anger, or anxiety. And it's all ways in which we just reflexively are trying to push away this moment to deny its intrinsic fullness and our non-separation from it. But I think what was very important in the way she taught is she never uh, said try to do away with anger or anxiety or fear or judgment. Uh, There was no sense that, well, instead of that, you need to pay closer attention, you know, or you need to uh, somehow practice non-separation, as if that was something you could practice. Um, Rather, she said, all right, the the moment you have to be one with now is your fear. The moment you have to be one with is anger. Uh, Be judgment, right? Just be those things, right? That's, That's where you are. Those things, too, are manifestations of life as it is, of the absolute. Don't change them. Don't make them go away. Just be that right now, right? Moment after moment. Even as we say no to life, we're part of life. Even saying no is a move in the game of life. There's nothing we can do uh, that's not a move in the game. See, from one perspective that I was trying to enunciate today about these precepts, about life as it is, We want to say that life is like uh, infinity. Uh, It can't be added or subtracted to. Infinity plus one is infinity. Infinity minus one is infinity. Infinity divided in two is infinity. Now all the adding and subtracting and dividing are our little games of playing at separation 
but at some deep level they don't work. Because <laughs> uh, we end up with infinity anyway. <laughs> That's our, our true nature, whether we try to subtract to it, add to it, cut it up into little pieces, steal it from somebody else. Right? As we enter into the middle of Sashin now, I hope we settle into a rhythm where we basically take Sashin whole. That it just carries us along. And that even the thoughts that we have of, uh, you know, am I there yet? When's the bell going to ring? You know, when's lunch? Whatever we have that arise, they are just bubbles in the stream. They are just part of what uh, happens in Sashin. There's no problem with our thoughts. There's no problem with our judgment or our opinion. From this perspective... All our thought, all our suffering, it's none other than the twinkling of that star. <laughs>